Hey, welcome to Come Queens. The Pussy Positive Podcast aimed at expanding the conversation around female sexuality and pleasure so that we can finally achieve equity in the bedroom and beyond. Dun-dun-dun. If you're a returning listener, please be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, subscribe to our show, and tell a friend. I'm your host, Grace. I'm your other host, Charlotte. And on today's episode, we are going to talk about the most recent sexual revolution, i.e. the one you all guys all know about in the 60s and 70s, what contributed to it, changing hearts and minds, and uh, how it impacted society and the world today and how we've grown into the women we are right now. Woo-woo! <laughs> <laughs> into it all this right, is a big right. this is a big ass topic i feel like we keep, we keep going into these and now we're like whoa hot damn it was huge this wasn't that long ago i think that that's the thing that's really getting to me yeah, is it wasn't crazy. that long ago but like my how what a different world that was in yeah and this is the the for me this time period was the childbearing years of my grandmother so my mom was born in 1962 mm-hmm. so i keep thinking about it um, through her yeah. eyes. Yeah, my mom was born in 60, so she was in that same same boat, I guess. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that my grandmother was living the sexual revolution. She was having, she was <laughs> popping out mad babies um, at the time. She had three kids, you know, pretty back-to-back. Yeah, my grandma did as well. My yeah. mom was one of three, so. Yeah, I think, uh, and I remember... This is not to do with my grandma, but my mom. I remember even my mom as a teen in the 70s had to fight for her birth control. She couldn't tell her parents about it because they would were strongly against anything sexual. Yeah. So she had to go to her doctor secretly and get birth control for herself, which, thank God, Mom. Way to go. You know, I feel like... I hope that I'm quote. I think the same thing happened to my mom, and I think that a doctor called my grandmother, mm, fucking outed her. Yeah, com- like, but what, she was already in college. Like, right? Confidentiality. HIPAA. Man. When yeah. did HIPAA come into play? I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know either. <laughs> Should have been there. Um, but but yeah, it was very controversial. I mean, and there was definitely you know religion was a factor. We we're talking before we started recording. My grandmother was very yeah. Catholic. Mm-hmm. So that was a big influence on all of this. So it's like we have this idea of what was happening in the 60s, but... Right. And you learn about it in school, right? You learn about, like, there's a section of the of your history book, The Sexual Revolution. Yeah. And then there's, like, snippets about, like, what happened, like, the bra burning. We all learn about that. They did focus a lot on the so, bra burning. So much burning. about bra burning. I feel like it was one protest. But <laughs> I, did, I did find this really funny picture. Um, in black and white, and this this woman who uh, doesn't have her bra on, but she's just wearing a shirt, so no bra. She's holding <laughs> up her bra, and all these men, just a sea, of, sea men. of men, I saw and they're, they're so happy. We need to we need to post that on there. <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. Instagram. They're all like in awe, but like, who the are happiest these men moment. too? Like, and why would that be so? <laughs> That's just so wild to me now, too, because it's like, I don't know. Where we live, I would say one in two women wears a bra in yeah. the world, maybe. Yeah. Um, you know, we've moved away from from that. <laughs> it's not as revolutionary well, Yeah, anymore. let those titties hang. But this whole time period was just, like, 
revolutionary in so many respects. Oh, there yeah. were so many movements happening simultaneously. And it was like, you know, this is this is the post this is these are the World War Two babies. Right. The the beginning of the baby boom, the Beatles. I mean Oh God, Beatlemania, right? Yeah. That was affecting a lot well, of they, young women at the time. Yeah. Have and they I, I think they've recovered. They, they're had, fucking passing out. And oh shit. my god, they're like losing their shit. Yeah, because they're oppressed and this is like their first like they're feeling all their hormonal feelings right. and then oh my god, they can't take it, they explode. <laughs> and then it was like uh, like Paul just you know, to have to have long hair would be so controversial. They're like these wild men. Oh my god. Could you imagine? I didn't cut it. <laughs> so so yeah, there was just a lot. Of there was a lot of youth though. Yeah. I think that that's like I think that that's kind of you know yeah. and youth always or youth spur movements you know mm-hmm. and so I think that that was probably a huge factor in it. Yeah, because of the baby boom. So you got a bunch of fucking babies running around. Yeah, <laughs> not yeah. literally, but yeah. But yeah, you had the counterculture movement. You had the women's movement. You had the gay and lesbian liberation movement. A lot of shit the civil happening rights at the movement. time. Civil rights movement. Mad assassinations. People are getting assassinated left and right. Yeah. Yeah. It so, must have been fucking scary. Right. But also exciting. They go hand in hand. Yeah. <laughs> I always just think of that, of, like, my grandmother sitting on the couch, like, watching Jack Kennedy getting assassinated with, like, my mom on her lap. Like, she has this little baby. Like, wouldn't it just seem like the whole world is falling apart? Sometimes we think yeah. our times are so difficult, but then I'm like, well, think about it then. And mm-hmm. the Cuban Missile Crisis. I mean, they had some, like, heavy shit happening. Right. Um, But, yeah, so there were a lot of factors that came into play. Women had gotten you know, hadn't had the right to vote for, for all that long. And obviously, I mean, black women still did not have the right to vote, you know, in practice Mm -hmm. in, um, much of the country at that time. What, what were you, what did you find out about, like, what are some of the things that led up to? Yeah. So, um, I found a lot of like research on like the shifts in attitude that was happening at the time from the fifties onward. Um, Alfred Kinsey, as we know him, biologist and sexologist, that he created the famous Kinsey scale, which was a seven-point system that describes sexuality. Um, and he found out a lot of, like, interesting <laughs> facts about what, like, women's bodies weren't really um, studied and personal sex life of Americans weren't talked about. And he was the one who collected all this data, and he found out that... Um, America's sexual behavior deviated strongly from the accepted norms. Like right. we're sexual people, but and we no think one's of talking the 50s about it. a lot as being oh, like yeah. the nuclear family. Mm-hmm. You have, you know, and I mean the white picket the, house, yeah. white picket fence, and, yeah, two point yeah. five kids. You have your yeah, this perfect ideal and, family, who, right? You know. Mom and dad, they loved each other so much they had sex once and created a 2.5 kids yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And they had, and then, like, the war economy fueled the mm-hmm. ability to have, like, one income support a household where you could have your, like, appliances and, oh, yeah. you know. Right. Gotta have those appliances. So, and <laughs> homemaking and, you know, just, like, reinforcing the, the roles the of gender, women. Yeah. Meanwhile, women had actually left the house during the war right. to work because they had to since all the men were at war. Mm-hmm. So women had gotten a taste, you know. She, they got a taste for the outside world. Yeah. 
And then once those men came back, they put them right back in the house and just created this whole ideal of the perfect woman pleasing your husband. (laughs) It's so fucked up. Um, But Kinsey, uh, he found that women peaked sexually in their mid-30s. I remember we talked about that in one of our first episodes. We didn't know what the age was, but apparently it's mid-30s. I'm just so, on the yeah, swing. You're on the train, girl. <laughs> um, and yeah, he was testing boundaries uh, with sexuality in um, reference to pain and pleasure and spouse sharing. He was into that, and he even encouraged his other uh, psychologists to share spouses. And there was a whole thing with Kinsey. Like, he was kind of painted as this, like, tragic figure. He had a lot of shit to deal with himself. Oh. Um, and I found out uh, two years before his death, he actually um, self-circumcised um, with a pocket knife. Ow. So, I mean, that's that's a whole thing. But he did a lot of great stuff for sexual science. Yeah. So, thank you, Kinsey. <laughs> yeah, sorry about, sorry about that. How about knife. your troubles? Um, yeah, because then you hear about that. Actually, the the development that my mom lives in now it was built in the 70s but they would have like there were all these rumors that they used to do like swinger parties and you would leave a light on and yeah and then certain people in the neighborhood like don't like to talk about it Hush. you know yeah keep it a secret but yeah put so, your keys in a bowl or whatever well they all live in the same area so, yeah yeah but that's kind of like the it's like maybe the Maybe what people's ideas of what were happening and what was actually happening were, were very different from oh, each other. Yeah. It seems like that's what Kinsey figured out. Yeah, exactly. I um, read that a lot of marriages, like a third of marriages, too, were women who were already pregnant. So you have this idea of, like, that there wasn't, um, I think that was in the late 50s. So you have this idea of, like, having these values, but really we were just kind of, like, shifting how he acted to try to fit those norms, Mm -hmm. as we still do. Yeah, definitely. Um, William Reich was another figure who kind of contributed to this cultural revolution. Um, He was a Freud protege, and, you know, we all have our... uh, We have some problems with Freud. We've got some problems with Freud. Um, But he kind of deviated from Freud's whole idea about sexuality and expression. He actually thought that um, sexual expression, specifically the orgasm, was natural and the social control and of your libido um, by the family and state as a large um, contributed to uh, it was destructive to the being the whole person. Wow, this is not <laughs> I'm explaining this poorly, well, but no. <laughs> no, I think that that's but I think that that's very true. Like I feel like that's where that's kind of like the root of sexual shame. Yeah. He was a, um, basically kind of like a communist guy. Um, (laughs) he, he thought that, uh, the repression distorted psychological, um, development and it led to fascism and authoritarian behavior. If you, um, you know, if you repress your sexual freedoms... Did you see, this is in the modern times, but did mm-hmm. you see that, like, some of these far right-wingers are uh, encouraging men not to masturbate mm. in order to, like, I don't know, make them angry psychos more? I don't know. Yeah, But there's, like, a, yeah, there's a whole aspect of sexual repression that they're using. I was just thinking, like, look at Mike Pence. <laughs> you just know? look at him. Like, look at that just, man. You just have to look. 
<laughs> he is clearly sexually repressed. He has a the thing with his wife, calls her mother and shit. Like he that's calls her mother. Yes. He refers to her as mother. Like that's some fucked up shit right there. Yeah. You get some you get some fucked Is up that people. That's what we when really don't... want from the impeachment. You no. know what I mean? What's <laughs> worse? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. You know. Do we want Pence? But I mean, it's not going to get to. I mean, yeah, it's never going to happen. But yeah. But yeah, I just from the beginning, I've just been like, but look at Mike Pence. Right. Do you want President Pence? Yeah, no. and he's at least going to maybe sound more reasonable, like when he speaks. Maybe I don't know. He, mother, he, mother, <laughs> mother, may I? <laughs> yep. That's exactly what it is, man. Oh, oh. what a weirdo. <laughs> Um, yeah, and in the in the fifties, I found that that's also when they discovered that penicillin could treat syphilis. So syphilis would kill you. Like we don't right now. Yes, I think of syphilis as like no big deal. I don't know. It's kind of off on my radar. Except honestly. some people think that Trump has untreated syphilis <laughs> because that contributes right to dementia. Like oh. if he had syphilis, I mean, like, he's also just old. But yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, imagine, like, come on, he fucked so many, like, Playboy models and, you know. Yeah. He fucked a lot of women. So, and he's clearly not into doctors, or his doctors just make up shit about him. Like, right. he's in perfect health. Maybe. So <laughs> Maybe untreated syphilis. The theory is he is untreated syphilis. If you, I didn't look this up, but if you're allergic to penicillin, like, I know my dad's allergic to penicillin, I... Wonder if he has syphilis. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I'm, if you're allergic to penicillin, no, you have can syphilis. You, can, can you? You can still treat it. I'm sure with some other means, right? I mean, otherwise. By you, now, hopefully. I've, yeah, I've never heard of anyone dying of syphilis. I've never met anyone with syphilis. Uh, me neither. <laughs> me neither. I, they test me for it when I go get my tests. Is that included in the mm-hmm. blood panel? Okay. Yeah, it's a comprehensive. Cool. Well, I don't have it. But think about what a big, you know, what a big risk that would be off your shoulders to like know that you could. You know, that used to be a death sentence. Yeah. So that sort of freed things up a little bit for people because Mm -hmm. you could, you know, you didn't have to worry about that as much. Sort of like today. I mean, now, what a game changer now that we have, like, prep and stuff like that. Oh, definitely. You know? Um, And then in 1960, the FDA approved the pill. Woo! Which was a huge deal. And they've been working on that for a long time there's some shysty shit that led up to that, though. Like, they tested it on women in Puerto Rico without, like, giving them a lot of, um, you know, informed consent about mm-hmm. it. And, like, three women died. And the original pill had way, way more hormones in it than the pill does today. Mm. Um, but, you know, I mean, it literally was, like, for Margaret Sanger, who, you know, kind of came up with the idea to begin with, it was, like, just a total game changer like the thought that you could control when you have children yeah amazing Um, which i can't i just can't even imagine a world where i didn't have birth control yeah uh like at 30 years old i would definitely i would definitely have kids by now like there would it would be really hard to stop it i mean obviously there had been ways they had condoms and stuff like that but condoms aren't that reliable um and yeah, and they had a bunch of other weird ways to try to stop. To prevent pregnancy? Yeah. What oh, else? I mean, through the, well, 
through the centuries. Yeah, yeah there yeah, was yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, there was something about in Egypt they would like mix crocodile dung with oh. something and then you'd put that in your vagina. Oh, you put it in there. Okay. Um the Europeans hmm. I think thought that if you took weasel balls and like put them around <laughs> your neck or something that it would stop you from getting pregnant. People had some wild <laughs> ideas out there. Um that might stop you from getting pregnant because people would be like, no, thank Why you. do you have weasel balls around <laughs> your neck? <laughs> Um, but you know, women were desperate, like for as long, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. At first they, and at first there was an idea of like, oh, would women even want something like this? And it's like, yes, Bitch, women yes. want this so much. <laughs> like, can, cause you just would keep having children and it was literally like killing them. People would die in childbirth. Yeah. Your body can only take so much. Um, so that was a total game changer, and but initially it was only approved for married women. Holy shit, really? Mm-hmm. Wow. It actually wasn't approved in all 50 states for all women until 1972. Wow. So that's a long time. I mean, I'm sure there were, I'm sure people had their methods of making it happen, but... Um, that's so fun. I don't get that, because, like, do you want a bunch of unwed mothers... Run around with children? Well, like, there was the... the idea is that the pill would promote promiscuity. Oh, yeah. Right, right, right. Right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, there was a... Um, yeah, is the pill regarded as a license for sexual... A license prom- to fuck. For sexual <laughs> promiscuity. That was in a 1966 U.S. News & World Report article. In 1968, Reader's Digest said that the pill may even be more devastating than the nuclear bomb. Whoa. Watch out. <laughs> Protect your pussy. <laughs> wow, women. Like, that's... That, I mean, that just shows you, like, the level of yeah. control... Of our bodies. Of allowing yeah. women to have control mm-hmm. over their bodies. They just mm-hmm. can't... They can't take it. And, <laughs> I mean, initially, like, the the pill came about also because, because of the baby boom, because there were concerns about, like, to you know, overpopulation. Mm-hmm. That was a big part of it. But that was a down. We we have to do more about Margaret Sanger, but she had some like ugly eugenicist. Yes, she certainly did. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but you know, it instantly like changed the game for women. Mm-hmm. Like right away, more women could go to college. Why? Because they weren't fucking getting pregnant. Yeah. So then, yeah. So then, like. It just allowed women to be able to make their own choices, which obviously still goes through to today. But then there's still that question, is now is this, now can women just do whatever they want? Are they just going to have sex all over the place with whoever? Um, <sighs> if they want to, that's fine. Right. <laughs> right. And I don't, and I couldn't find any data about, like, whether it actually changed, you know, whether it actually changed women's sexual behavior or not. Or whether it just changed their lives in the sense of, like, whether or not they had children or not. But yeah. marriage rates did go down and divorce rates did go up. Right, yeah. That that was happening already. I don't know. Was it because of the pill, mostly? Well, it was just at the same time. Yeah. So people, yeah. of course, were like, look, it's the moral devastation of right. our society, yeah. blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. We've heard it all before. Mm-hmm. We still hear it today. I mean, that's what's creepy about reading that stuff is you're just like, oh, this is the same right. shit that they're saying now about all different kinds of things, you mm-hmm. know? Like, that's a that's a common line of, like, oh, now everyone can just do what they want, and it's going to ruin everything. Yeah. Um, so 
this the first like feminist quote unquote what I found in 1962 Helen Gurley Brown the editor of Cosmo and of course we all have our feelings about Cosmo because yes. what it's become and uh, honestly kind of what it was it's the same thing right it is it's to, it's regards into like how to please your man like how to be the perfect woman how to but I mean for that time a woman starting her own business like she, she wasn't was, married until her late 30s she never had children like she was she, an entrepreneur she yeah. was a feminist yeah you know well and that's where I think we all always have to be careful like when we think about mm-hmm. these things is like just that's part of being a feminist right? right is that I say okay well you have a different view but you're a different woman than me but I still respect that because yeah exactly you're another woman who gets to have her own opinions <laughs> and also like we have to look about like the time and place like and what happens like you're doing what you were able to do then right you know um so it what she did was pretty groundbreaking for the time um she encouraged women to have sexual p- pleasure and freedom but it was kind of still in the scope of the male gaze, right? Because it's, you know, how to look sexy, how to put on this blush to attract a mate. <laughs> or, you know, because right. the ultimate goal was, like, how to lock down your husband or whatever. You right. Know? But that's, oh, I just can't wait. Like, when is that shit going to end? Because it's, like, the last time I checked, or always, it's, like, there are more men. I just don't understand why women... Why women have to, like... Have to try the, when, like, clearly yeah, yeah, yeah. the men are the ones who have a harder time getting us. Like, I, and then, like, what's going on with that? And, and re- like, biology and, like, other animals, it's always the male who's, like, the prettier right, they one. Sh- they who should be the has competing to work ones. To attract the female. I mean, like, not why that, that men do compete, but, like, yeah, there's just, like, this... I just feels like a cultural lie that, like, women need to either yeah, oh, compete it, with yeah, each other or against themselves is. Yeah, to, to lock down these men. Yeah. And, uh, like, a f- quote from Brown, which I really like, is, this is how it was for me, this is how I played it. Like, when, in regards to when people are like, well, you know, what you said is not feminist and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you know what? True. True, Brown. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> I I was reading um, an article that was reflecting on the sexual revolution kind of, um, well, because this is what we now refer to as second wave feminists, Mm -hmm. like the women that came out of this period. And, I mean, obviously we're in this whole, like, okay, boomer time. And, and, you know, I mean, and we, you know, we can't, yeah, there's just a lot of, there's a lot of, like, sometimes tension between the second and third wave feminists. Oh, for sure, yeah. Um, and, like, a lack of respect that the third wave feminists may give to the second wave, you know? Right. But then, like, some you should do this, like, right. from the second wave, yes. which is like, okay, well, we are also in a different time now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I hope you can find a balance of, like, hey, respect what you did, but also yeah. recognize, like, we're carrying it. Um in another direction, but um, there was this article in The Guardian by um, Van Batum, and she said, as soon as older feminists had won sexual liberation, patriarchy reframed it as sexual availability for men. Mm. And, like, that really stuck with me, because I feel like I saw that throughout 
yeah, just the imagery of of I, I feel like I looked at a lot of a lot of images for mm-hmm. this. Yeah, and um, and that was what it became. It was like oh, you had porn, right? Because sexual liberation doesn't just mean like oh, now we can have sex with you whenever we want, right? Which is kind of what it seems like. Oh, now there's no consequences. Now I don't mm-hmm. have to worry about knocking you up. Before it was cool for men to have sex outside of you know wedlock because. They could get away with it, basically. Right, right. <laughs> and now it's like, oh, we can take advantage of women, too. Um, so that was kind of disturbing. Because I always think of it as a time period of, like, this great, like, accomplishment. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, obviously, it helped us tremendous, tremendous, tremendously <laughs> <laughs> to be able to, I mean, just to be able to make choices about our bodies. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know... Like, I don't know that we won out in the... Well, I mean, clear, <laughs> clearly we wouldn't still be here now. I mean, it was a stride in the right direction. Right. But... But there's a lot more that needs to be done. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, I saw, like, Larry Flynn and... Gosh, what's his name? Playboy guy? Hugh Hefner. Hefner, like, they're kind of credited towards this sexual liberation. And I'm like, no, they just took advantage of it and capitalized. I watched an interview with uh, Hugh Hefner, actually, though, on... um, He was being interviewed on some old-timey talk show. (laughs) And, but yeah, but he was actually, like, just really challenging the the culture. The cultural norms. Like, I wonder how much of it starred, you know, like, where something starts versus where it ends up. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it was really a big deal. But again, like, many women, one man, you know. Yeah, like, it's creepy. Yeah, and there's gross. definitely a gross level to mm-hmm. it. Uh, but they put it out, you know, but, but women's bodies were seen, like, that shit had never gone down before like True. that. yeah. Um, for better or for worse. And I'm sure they probably, those second wave feminists probably had that same tension with the first wave. Like, the women who were, you know, trying to get the right to vote, the suffragettes, you know? Yeah. Because that that would have been their contemporaries, you know? So that was probably really hard to, like, see those changes and then being like, okay, well, you can do these things now, Mm -hmm. but is that good? But then I'm sure there were plenty of women who were saying, this isn't, this isn't freedom, right. which is which is still what we see today. Mm-hmm. Um, but but women came a long way during this decade. In uh, the Civil Rights Act included um, Title VII, which made sex discrimination illegal, mm-hmm. and set up the Equal Employment Opportunities Commission, which. I'd love to do an episode about in the future because I found them to be pretty useless when I tried to use them, but. Um, but yeah, I mean that that's a huge that's a huge deal. Um yeah. because I'm not sure whether or not it was just what happened or whether it was but like my grandmother for sure had to she was a teacher and she had to stop working when she started showing when she was pregnant because that wasn't done. Wow. And they thought the idea of just seeing pregnant people was sex uh, was sexual. Yeah. Like, you know how right. Lucy and Ricky had to sleep in their separate beds? Mm-hmm. And, um, and that, that was the first, I think she was the first pregnant woman to ever be shown on television. That's just like how society just sexualized women in general. Like we're just walking sex bots or whatever. Right. So I guess, you know, like Larry Flint. So these women were reclaiming it. Yeah. Larry Flint and, um, 
gosh, why can't, whatever, Hefner. Hugh Hefner. So I think, like, they did do some good. They're, I guess they're normalizing women's bodies in a way, but yeah. also, you know, it's in its own Obviously, strange, just for fucked their up own. context, you know? Right. But it did put more women's bodies out there, which is... yeah. It's fine with me. <laughs> right. Yeah, I think it's... I don't know. It, there's well, a I'm lot sure to for Maybe there. for some of those women, it was really empowering. Oh, yeah, like, definitely. You know, um, so, I mean, I'm sure it's a mixed bag, but I feel like they're... But again, it's just, like, male ownership. Yeah, exactly. And that's, like, throughout this, I don't know, I feel like I expected this whole thing to be much more inspiring to me and then every time I like would be like cringe yeah it's like oh cringe fuck. oh but here we go again cringe oh. um, shit's still happening but uh yeah in 1963 Betty Friedan wrote The Feminine Mystique mm-hmm. which that challenged a lot of ideas about where like women's place um yeah in you know in the home um and I mean it must have just been like, you know, what a, just what a huge, uh, what a huge shift, you know, now we have that now, like, I, I spend time thinking about that today, like, I am glad that I don't have to stay at home and raise children mm-hmm. as my only option, but it also isn't really a plausible option to stay home and raise children because, like, of the economical changes that have happened since then, you know, like, that's oh, yeah. not available to me either. Mm. So it's like now you have to work and you have to raise the kids. Right. And I don't know if that's... It is still expected for women to have kids. Oh, yeah. Especially if you're married. It's like, oh, when are you going to have kids, huh? Yeah. When pressuring you and everything yeah. like that. Yeah. I feel like I do not like when people ask me that question. Oh, but so you get pregnant? People don't ask me that a lot, though. Probably because they know <laughs> that, I, that I would not take kindly to that shit at all. Um but, you know, like, those, challenging those roles is really important um, in yeah. that time. And and she created now the National Organization of Women, which is still going strong. Yeah. My mom was a big, big now. Yeah. I remember her getting the stickers sent to her and everything. My mom, too. Oh, and, you our know, moms have to hang out. Yeah. And we had a huge now uh, poster in our basement that we got from one of the uh, anti-Iraq war um Oh, cool. Movements that we went to. Um, Yeah, but I think that's something you can do now. (laughs) You can get involved in women's organizations. Like, yeah. I think it really is important. Like, put your money towards these issues because the shit is looking bleak. Right, and it's (laughs) still ongoing. Yeah. 1967 is when abortion Mm -hmm. became became legal basically and i mean up until then it had been you know just like really dangerous and horrifying but we're still having that fight yeah and now. it's and <laughs> right and i feel like i see an article like every week that says like oh roe v wade is under attack again it's like at some point like i th- I think it's scare tactics, but on the other point, like, there's there's some truth to that. Like, look at our current administration. Just, I don't know what state it was in, but they just had, did you see this? Did we talk about that on this, about those fuckers who wanted to say that the ectopic 
pregnancy had to be re-implanted. Yeah, that's I mean, Which ridiculous. is not medically possible. No, they don't, they're not fucking, they have no idea what they're talking about. Well, because it's fucking still men yeah. who are yeah. in. But if you think about, like, there hasn't been, like, we're, next year we're going to hit 100 years of women having the right to vote. Yeah. I mean, so if you think about that, like, we haven't really had the opportunity to catch up. I mean, we're making strides and getting, mm-hmm. um, getting more women in office, but, like... You know, as long as, but I mean, and, and the men who are in office are like really old. Like they're still thinking in these old mm-hmm. ass terms. Too. Yeah, they're very old. I mean, just everyone who's in office, I think, is too old. They're pretty old, generally man. speaking. Yeah, like, I would agree. I would love to see some term limits. Um, well, I actually saw that. Um, fucking who was Pete? Uh, Mayor Pete? Not Pete. Um, oh gosh, I totally forgot his name. But like Trump doesn't like him, but he is suggesting that there be a two-term limit for senators. Gosh, I forgot. One one of those fucking skeezy Republicans who's oh, in his yeah. mid-40s. Cruz, fucking Ted Cruz, that's it. Oh, yeah. So he's in favor of term limits, which, I mean, I mean it makes sense. Like, that's a good idea. Right. <laughs> because it just seems like by default you just keep ending up back in there again. Yeah, the same fucking cycle. But then there's that whole thing, if you have term limits, like, are these... A politician's going to focus more on raising money, and this is why we just have to end, like... Corporate um, money. Yes. Exactly. Because we'll never... Yeah, we'll never be able to stay focused. Yeah, it's just a fucking cycle. Yeah. But I think I think term limits are a part of it, because when you mm-hmm. looked, like, at the, the, uh, judici- the Judiciary Committee, I believe, which is, like, from when they were trying to appoint Kavanaugh, and it was, like a lot of the same people that were from the Anita Hill hearings. Like, mm. it was, like, the crossover. And it's like, what do you mm. mean? Like, my entire lifetime, and now you these same fuckers are making these decisions? Yeah. Like, it's not, um, yeah, it's not a great plan. Um, the 60s was also a fun time when porn started to be <laughs> a thing. <laughs> um, which... We should we should watch. I really want to watch Deep Throat. I've never seen it. I haven't either. And uh, yeah, um, I just I'm very curious. I've seen some older pornography, and it's much diff- It's much different, like much right. different than today, and in very in good ways. Um, I think. Um, Would and, you say it's more tame? Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. There's a lot more pubic hair. God, porn nowadays. It's, it's not honestly. It's kinda not terrifying. Yeah, it's not as. It violent. is definitely violent. Yeah. nowadays. Yeah. Um, but Andy Warhol did the Blue movie in 1969. Mm-hmm. Um, in 1970, Mona and the Virgin Nymph came out. There we go again with the virginity. And then also Deep Throat came out that year. Um, but, you know, like, that's huge to put it in, like, a cultural context that, that porn became mainstream. And, like, right. at that time, you know, you're not looking it up on RedTube or whatever. Like, no, you, you don't have, you have to go to, can you, you imagine go to a going to a movie theater to watch pornography? Or, like, one of those boxes, it right? It blows my mind. Box. But I think people went, like, to the theater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, what else are they doing, you know? Right. That's a big fun outing. Yeah. <laughs> so that would be exciting. I would definitely, um, I would definitely be into, I wonder if anybody ever does that anymore. We should get somebody to screen Deep Throat as a, as a throwback for, cause it'll be 50 years old. Oh, wow. In There's, 2020? Yeah. We should, do, we so, should have our own screening. Yeah, we can. Uh, no, seriously, we have some independent movie theaters here that I think would be very down yeah. for it. And then we could talk to people afterwards. <laughs> um, 
1970, Anna Cote wrote this was this one really. I read her entire piece. It's called "The Myth of the Vaginal Orgasm." Ooh, and this is which is interesting. Like we didn't come across this when we did our clitoris episode, yeah. but it was basically like all about that. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, and I guess previously women had been being diagnosed with frigidity mm. by psychologists <laughs> if they could not orgasm. She's a frigid bitch. Um, she said, women have thus been defined sexually in terms of what pleases men. Our own biology has not been properly analyzed. Instead, we are fed the myth of the liberated woman and her vaginal orgasm, an orgasm which in fact does not exist. <laughs> So she, and she went in on Freud, like, she went in hard Mm -hmm. about what a fucker he was and just saying, like, stop lean. Because that's been the, so, I mean, this is by 1970, so she's, like, kind of, you know, also reflecting on this. Like, we're saying we have sexual liberation again, Mm -hmm. but still, back to pleasure equality. Right. Where is it? You know, we're not there. Like, women are sexualized in a different way. Women are allowed to express their sexuality, mm-hmm. it seems, more openly. Again, in you know, if you're in certain parts of society. Right. right. Again, my grandmother was not burning any of her bras, I'm sure. No. Um but, you know, you had that out there. And then and then in the end, you know, they're still back to blaming us for for not having for not being pleased. Pleased. <laughs> right. According to the way men do it. Right. So it seems like we have, you know, we have a long way to go yeah. since then. <laughs> um, and I think that, uh, you know, the pill the pill changed the game in a lot of, in a lot of positive ways for women. And um, I don't think, I don't know. I was, like, reading arguments that were differing about, like, whether or not the sexual revolution would have happened without the pill. Mm. But it's sort of hard to imagine. Just because, but again, because all the blame was on women if you became pregnant. Which it still is. Oh, definitely. T.I., T.I., sorry. I can't get over him. But, you know, I mean, it's still back to that. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, women are ultimately responsible. She's gonna bring home a baby. Yeah, we don't want that. And it was, like, way to, um, hi, you know, to be able to, I guess, hide, really, the pill just allowed right. you to hide your what you were doing sexually. Yeah. In, in, uh-huh. a, in a kind of way. Oh, and the, oh, we didn't mention that, but in the Catholic Church, 1968, came out with their Humana Vitae, which was their statement against birth control, which exists to today, hmm. which is insane that we have to... I don't know. I, if there are Catholic practicing Catholic women out here, I want to know: Are you are you taking birth control, or are you just like? I think some of you are. I'm guarantee that some of you have to. be. I would say probably the younger generation of Catholics. Yeah, are definitely taking birth. And then also, I don't know. It probably just depends on <laughs> the degree of Catholic you are. I don't know. Or yeah. there's different degree, degrees, right? <laughs> um, and, I mean, people, there's other, I mean, people use, like, the rhythm method and stuff like that, but, I mean, it's not effective. <laughs> no. And our, I don't and know. pull the, out or whatever. Yeah. Are condoms not allowed, too? Uh, because I don't know. Because condoms existed before know. that, but the Pope didn't decide to say anything about it. Huh. 
we'll until have, 1968. We'll have to ask the Pope. Yeah. Uh, but they were saying that, that, like, the council, whatever, of, you know, officials Lords. of the Vatican or yeah. whatever, I don't know that their, cardinals? their system. No, cardinals are up there. They're, they're up they're, there. Yeah. Um, they were red. Yeah, but they they actually were, the majority were in favor of the pill, huh. but the Pope was like, no, no, no. no, no. I wonder no, no, which no. Pope that was. It was Pope John the Sixth. I, I feel like they all had the same name. They're all fucking named John. <laughs> Except for our most recent one. Uh, yeah, don't ask me. His I was, yeah. Fran- <laughs> I don't is remember. it Francis? It might be. Pope Francis? That sounds, sounds right. right. That sounds right. I just remember the Nazi Pope. Benedict? Oh, Benedict. Well, he sounds he wore like, a Nazi. like He wore like red Prada shoes and stuff. Oh my. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, again, it's just like who, like, no place, no place for men to tell women what to do with their bodies. And that's how. They're still doing it. Right before we recorded, we were. It's their favorite thing to suppress and talk about. Yeah, talk about things that they don't know shit yeah. about. Um, in 1970, there all these uh, people went to Congress to, like, basically debate the birth control pill. And this woman, Alice Wolfson from the DC Women's Liberation, um, movement she like I, I guess they just had man after man testifying about you know the pill but then there was like a backlash of women who were like hey you know the pill has side effects I mean and it still does like mm-hmm. we need to dive deeper into that because that's I mean a lot of like I started to go down that path and then I'm like oh it's too much information for this but right I mean the pill has some, for sure, has some dangerous side effects. And recent. these new birth control methods, like the fucking implant, that has some serious side well, effects. Well, and they were, yeah, recalled. Yeah. Or, and then there's still a debate. It's still unclear as to whether the birth controls that take away your period entirely, whether or not, like, we don't know the answer to that in science, like, of whether or not women need to have a oh, period or yes. not. right. We don't know. Yeah. So basically, like, even to this day... Because we're not that deep into, you know, we're only 60 years deep into having the right. pill. Uh-huh. Um, we, like, we're all still kind of guinea pigs about the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So um, I want to I wanna explore that further in a future episode. So I think our listeners, yeah, I would love any feedback about, or, you know, if you were around during these times or if you have any stories about... Um, yeah, about this time period or how you think that it affected you. I've just been really moved by thinking about, like, I just, I cannot get it out of my head if I didn't have access to birth control. Like, it's something I'm not, I don't spend enough time being thankful for. Yeah, same. Um, You know, and it can kind of be a pain in my ass sometimes. And so I feel like, but I just take it for granted. It's like, man, I have this incredible power that I would not have had not that long ago. Mm -hmm. So next week we're going to be talking about hormones, male and female. Yeah. What did, what the fuck do they mean? They're moving around in there all the time. Are we just at mercy of our hormones? (laughs) Yeah. Can we make real decisions with our lady brains? (laughs) Find out next week. (laughs) All right. Smell you later. Thanks for listening and shout out to Bombay Gasoline. We love your theme music. Thanks. (laughs)